0: All right, sounds good to me. We're gonna move on to our second category. King of the Ring winners. Johnny Curtis, five seconds. Who's won? King Mabel. King, King Mabel? Correct. Jacob Novak. Stone Cold Steve Austin. Oh, hell yeah, the rattlesnake is correct. Big Brotus Clay. The King of Hearts. Owen Hart. Owen Hart is correct. The future is now.
1: welcome back to another episode of Half K NXT with your boy Nando O'Brien and your boy L Truth I come from money I come from pain uh right, putting me on the spot right off there I I don't even know the rest (laughs) I don't even know if what I have is right so I, I can't even blame the rookies from the karaoke challenge anymore because yeah that's that stuff is pretty hard to just I mean, granted, they had the lyrics on screen, but if you're just trying to do it from the top of your dome, uh it's pretty hard to, to think of the lyrics. <laughs> that's that's
2: pretty valid. I give you that, because I mean I know I'm pretty sure like even if you play sexy boy, we'll still miss some of the words. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. I I I think all the classics like uh Vince McMahon and who else has like lyrics in their in their uh, Randy Orton? Like, yeah, any of those? I bet you, I'll i know maybe half of them, but I won't know the other fifty percent. <laughs> Man, dude,
2: I probably know fifteen percent of Randy Orton's theme so <laughs> like one
1: five. <laughs> <laughs> No, you're you're right. I, I would probably do the same way. So big big ups to uh Johnny Curtis.
2: <laughs> big ups to uh Johnny Curtis and then uh big ups to that dude that we seen at the NXT show the show that knew all the words. <laughs> oh
1: my gosh. <laughs> so what we'll give you a sneak peek of a future episode, but when we were allowed to still go outside and watch uh, live NXTs, there would be literally this one one dude who would know all the lyrics to every NXT theme at that moment. You know, at the, at that time, and this is uh literally Tino Sabatelli's theme. No one, first of all, no one. Half the people don't even know who Tino is, and second of all, like no one. No one even knows his theme song. So for this one dude to know like the lyrics, 100%, it was, it was pretty impressive. It
2: was very impressive because it was like it was not only that one, but I think what he knew, like Amber Moon's theme song. And
1: oh, yeah, it was yeah, like yeah.
2: another. I mean, he knew somebody else's, too. That was like really obscure. It's like, bro, what do you do all day? Yeah. Yeah. I respect it.
1: Oh, oh he knew um, Keith Lee's, too, like 100%. <laughs> that, that that one. He was just like going off as soon as he came out because he came out multiple times. So that was that he, day, yeah.
2: That it. was back when, like, even what Lars Sullivan was still around. Like,
1: mm. Wow, <laughs> we can we can literally sit here all day and talk about theme songs, but <laughs> we should probably we should probably get the the review started. <laughs> maybe, uh, w- maybe. <laughs> so, uh, welcome back. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, because last week we also kicked it off with some R-Truth knowledge, so we'll, we'll, we'll get started now. <laughs> uh, so welcome back to another episode of the podcast, and this week we'll be going over episode 44, episode 3 in season 4, and this happened on December 21st, 21st, twenty. 20- one, I don't know how to say it I don't know English <laughs> uh, you said it, you said it right the first time you said December 21st right That's- I did it just sounded weird you know how sometimes <laughs> when you say things it like you know they probably sound right but when you actually say it you're like is that the, the right way to say it
2: yeah my favorite is when like you say a word but you've never written it before and then oh, you yeah, write yeah. it down and you're like
1: That word is disgusting, (laughs) looking. Yeah. (laughs) So, yes, December 21st, 2010, at the AT&T Center in San Antonio, Texas. I I think, for sure, whenever we head back out to Texas, because they just announced the three locations for the next WrestleManias, and I believe it is in Texas now for next year, correct? Yeah, I think they're doing... um what is it?
2: Uh Tampa Bay, mm-hmm. Dallas, and mm. Los Angeles. Yeah, yeah. Because it was supposed to be Los Angeles for 2021. And then they essentially mm-hmm. like pushed that back two years, assuming knock on wood will be at that point. So
1: cool. Well, this show definitely happened ten years ago. <laughs> uh at uh the ATT And they had fans. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they had several fans there. <laughs> uh, so we open up the show with uh, the video package. This is actually the first one of the season. And they kind of just go over the obstacle course challenge from last week. Uh, they showed the the Johnny Curtis redo where he ended up picking up two immunity points. And from there we get the standard NXT intro uh, as both of us have marked there's again the uh, the absence of pyro, which I think you and I are starting to get worried about since we have not had pyro this season yet. <laughs> so with this season, they're they're all or this is just purely on wd.com, right? Yes. So this is where they've converted 100% to um, I guess to all the digital platforms because yeah it's on www.com it's on hulu and it's on youtube uh so it's a strictly digital show as far as the as far as the western audience i think what they do is that the reason why these episodes are still like 40 minutes long is because i believe they still have tv distribution rights across uh across the globe in in international markets um but for the u.s we we only have it as uh as a digital show at this time i get you okay i see what you're saying yeah uh but yeah Either way, they were still cutting back because there was no pyro. (laughs) Uh, Matt Stryker introduces all the rookies individually since the pros are already on the stage. Uh, Saxton comes out in his I Heart Me t-shirt, which I think he's just kind of going for for different t-shirt styles throughout the weeks. Uh, So before we get started with the next challenge, Stryker introduces the... um, The competition standings at the moment, O'Brien, Brodus Clay, and Derek Bateman all have zero points. Saxton and Novak have one point. And as we mentioned earlier, Johnny Curtis is in the lead with two points. And Matt Stryker kind of gives us an update as well where he mentions that all the physical challenges are now worth two points. So this one being the return of the wheelbarrow challenge, this one will also be worth two immunity points uh so similar to the last one from season three where matt striker wanted to up the annie and not just have like an empty wheelbarrow he kind of hypes up like okay i think we need someone else from the back to to give it more weight and then we get the eagle which uh Dude, I totally forgot about this gimmick.
2: <laughs> I definitely forgot. I was expecting um Hornswoggle, Good old, good old reliable. But is he mm-hmm. is was Hornswoggle with the company at this point? Right. Yeah. He was in the last season.
1: Yeah, yeah. He was still here. Um, I think he still had a pretty long run because uh I think it wasn't until the three man band era is where I think that was his towards the the end of his WWE run. So I think that was like twenty fourteen. Yeah, yeah. So he was there for a while. Yeah, he had a good stretch as far as like just holding on to that storyline and gimmick. <laughs> wow. Yeah, there's a reason why he still has like a huge following. I mean not a huge following, but like he's still recognized on uh on other wrestling programs and, and uh independent shows is because yeah, he had a pretty long tender in the in the WWE, so It makes sense. I wonder what his uh, his booking fee is. Mm -hmm. You get it like half off. (laughs) Pun it. (laughs) Pun. Pun. Very much intended. (laughs) So so yes, we uh, we get the ego and not horn swago. By that really surprised surprised us. And uh, so this one was kind of interesting because they uh, yeah compared to swago like. He the the I I forgot to look up I I my bad so I'll I'll report back on next week's uh, podcast but I forgot to look up who was uh, the eagle I know they also revealed it but I don't think it's the same person who was acting as the eagle during um during the episodes when he was with with Jack Swagger but I'll I'll look it up and I'll I'll mention it on the next podcast I'm going with Hornswoggle for now. <laughs> yes for for now it is Hornswago and el Torito uh, working working the ego <laughs> uh so we uh so we start off with johnny curtis and he kind of gets a false start and then the fans kind of boo him and striker tells him that he has to kind of restart from there he sets the pace at 13 seconds uh what was interesting and uh, i'll bring it up in the later half of the show where Todd Grisham is actually acting more heelish in this episode. And even Josh Matthews brings it up where he's like, why are you so angry, uh, Todd? Because like he was, uh, he was kind of like slacking on, uh, I think the Eagle and Johnny Curtis. So like even Josh Matthews was kind of uh, bringing it up more that like Todd Grisham was kind of acting a little bit more of a heel on this episode, but uh, I'll bring it, I'll bring it back up during the end of the of the review after that then jacob novak gets uh sets the bar a little bit higher at 12.8 seconds then Brotus clay uh gets in at 13.8 seconds what was funny with this one is uh he kind of tossed the eagle when he finished the the uh when he got to the finish line so it was similar to when um maxine threw uh horn Swaggle <laughs> in the in the last wheelbarrow yep it was like a it's like a flashback yeah (laughs) so we get uh connor o'brien next, and he also ups the bar to 12.7 seconds what was interesting is yeah even del real clapped for him and they're kind of having not a not a huge um kind of rookie uh pro dynamic but it was it was good to see that del real was supporting his uh his rookie at that point uh so this part i was going to ask you like did this have another, uh, another meaning when Striker? So Byron, um, Byron Saxton goes next, and he's wearing like this black glove, and then Matt Stryker says like, "Oh, the black glove didn't work well for DiBiase and Michael Jackson." And I was like, "Okay, I get the Michael Jackson part, but I don't remember what the reference was with D- with DiBiase." Like that one kind of, kind of confused me when when. When he kind of threw out that line, <laughs> we don't have
0: time for this nonsense. The black glove—that's great. Oh, come on, that worked well for Ted DiBiase and Michael Jackson. Okay, on Cole your mark, get what the set, black glove means? go. He's gonna murder the competition.
2: That one—that one went over my head too. I didn't. I don't really recall what a d what any DiBiase has to do with the with a black glove. So
1: yeah, 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 yeah. I I just wanted to double check with you because I was like, okay, I'm gonna definitely bring it up during the podcast because i was like all right i don't i don't get it i i probably need to like watch some episodes of ron smackdown during that time just to see like if the, if he had brought it back or something yeah i, I, I wasn't sure
2: i was expecting a um a oj simpson joke from striker
1: that's what i thought like too. i was
2: i was i was yearning for one and he just didn't deliver so
1: yeah if, if striker was his own category he'd get like minus points <laughs> <laughs> That I'm gonna knock it down on uh, on production, <laughs> just for that line
2: <laughs> that the the striker striker penalties.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, mm. So then we have Byron Saxton, and he also sets the bar at 12.5 seconds, and then Derek Bateman right after got the exact same time. The commentary here I thought was was really entertaining. I, I really like the the banter from the pros because the pros had uh, live microphones while they were on the stage, so you just heard a bunch of like one liners from like Ziggler and Daniel Bryan based on like this argument if uh, if if Saxton and Bateman had like a tie or not. Uh, so I thought I thought it was just really really funny like the banter that was going on.
2: I like. I heard it off in the distance, but I was like really trying to hear what the commentators were saying because mm-hmm. I was like hella interested in the actual result of the race. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I was yeah. like, oh man, what are they gonna do? It's like it was a tie, even though like I was looking at it, I was like, there really wasn't a tie. He yeah. only got there first.
1: <laughs> I know, yeah. Uh so 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 what they do is uh Saxton didn't cross the line, but I guess uh it it didn't matter because the only thing that had to get through the line was the the wheelbarrow itself. Uh so Bateman ended up uh getting it at 12 seconds and yeah he he won and was rocking his like American flag to uh to celebrate. Um but yeah like I had here like my last note was saying like yeah the the pros and their commentary on stage was just like really hilarious. So I I would, I would recommend this episode based on just that <laughs> in itself.
2: <laughs> I got invested in this contest because it looked like they were all really trying. So it looked mm-hmm. like they was just like, you know, hey, go for it. And then it, it turned out to be quite entertaining just to see them push a bird around the ring.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was definitely more entertaining than, uh, than the one from last season. And uh, probably one of the more entertaining entertaining uh rookie challenges that we've seen so far so from there we go to commercial break and we have our first matchup of the episode where no entrances since like the rookies were already out there we have jacob novak going up against johnny curtis uh so to start off the matchup i'm pretty sure you could spot him during the um the opening segment but he's highlighted here a lot more where uh jtg is suddenly in the corner with johnny curtis and uh so we're we're all in kind of a disbelief of like what happened to Art truth uh so the commentators bring this up really quickly where they mentioned that our truth couldn't make it on this episode and he kind of just texts his boy jtg to see if he could help out his uh his rookie this week welcome back jacob novak conversing with his pro Dolph ziggler as novak looks to avenge an earlier loss here on nxt as he faces johnny
0: curtis and there you johnny curtis is talking to jtg now curtis's pro is our truth our truth couldn't be with us here tonight so truth sent a little text to jtg and said hey can you look out for my rookie tonight so that's why jtg will be coaching up johnny curtis
1: so he texts jtg
0: selling so i talk
1: and I just thought it was really—I don't know. What, what did you think of this? Where like
2: it's—it's I, it's not a good look, but <laughs> I'll let them slide just because they just said that they were—they just texted each other—and I was like, you know what? I can relate that at as a trainer because every time I fill in for somebody for their clients, they just text me. So it's like, yeah, yeah, man, yeah. I get it. I get it. You just texted somebody to see if they're available. It just so happened to be JTG, who also just so happens (laughs) to to be of the same ethnic race.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that was the only thing I I was like kind of questioning. But I I I really just at first it it got me nervous that thinking of like oh crap did they like I know they didn't let go of our truth, but in my mind I was like, do they really just try to sneak in there that? JTG was the, yeah, y'all just gonna the try to sneak this.
2: us sneak us another dude by? It. Like, who are you trying to
1: sneak that by? I know y'all is in
2: Texas, but they know the difference too. Come on, man.
1: But yeah, I'm glad that uh, the commentators got on that really quickly at the, at the beginning of this matchup. Uh, that might have been a
2: a good like opportunity if it would ever to be available to listen to the Kevin Dunn playing.
1: Oh, oh my gosh, that one. I would, I, would, I would pay to be a fly on the wall for that one. Once we get started with the matchup, uh, Vicky, they kind of show a, a shot of uh, Vicky Guerrero as well, where she's um, watching the match backstage. And yeah, like kind of how I mentioned that Todd Grisham was, um, was being a little bit more gr- aggressive here because he was talking about... Um, something that Dolph Ziggler had done on raw and SmackDown and talking about his matches. And yeah, Todd, I I should say, uh, Josh kept saying like, Oh, why, why are you on, uh, Ziggler so hard this week? And, um, so I, I thought it was good because they were, they were kind of showing exactly what we were saying in the, uh, the first two episodes where, um, Todd and, and Josh didn't have like that, um, kind of witty back and forth yet but it's it started to develop a little bit more on this episode which i really liked so it started showing more of um todd's personality and i i thought it it added a little bit more not only to this matchup but throughout the episode um and i agree i agree i thought um i thought they were
2: more like personable with each other almost like Mm -hmm. More conversational, kind of like back and forth, more bantery like in the 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 episode prior, it's almost like they uh they hadn't like Josh knows who he is he's yeah, been yeah, doing yeah. this for a while already, so like for for Grisham to get in there, he's almost kind of like following Josh's lead, but it seems like for this episode, he kind of got in there and 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 took his opportunities versus like waiting for him to come,
1: mhm, yeah. That's what that's what I got out of it, too, especially with with this matchup. Um, Yeah, I had here that Johnny Curtis had some really good suplexes throughout the matchup. And um, what was interesting is when I was watching this matchup, like, I don't know, it was probably just me because uh, the network was starting to act up for me where like it kept freezing during during the beginning of this matchup. So uh, the good thing about this season, like we were mentioning before that. Um, all these episodes are available on uh, on YouTube. So, <laughs> at this point, I just ended up watching the rest of the episode on YouTube instead, just because the uh, the stability of of the network, of course, is better on YouTube. Um, so I don't know what was up. Like, there's certain, I guess, time frames on the WWE network where they're probably just like doing maintenance work, but they don't let people know that, and like the connection is just like <laughs> terrible during those. During those points when you're when you're watching anything on on the WWE network, mm, you know what? In all this time, I thought it was my internet. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. I um I enjoyed this little match. I uh mm-hmm. I I liked. I thought they had some good chemistry between them. Like you could tell that Curtis kind of leads the match, but I saw some to me some like noticeable. Um, improvements to Novak like kind of like some of his his offensive move choices weren't just so stale Mm -hmm. like your suplexes your headlocks or like your collar elbow type stuff like that like he had a nice side slam I recall Um, you know he got some good uh, some good heat some good punches in there so he's he seems to be kind of like expanding himself (laughs) so I I, I like this match it was a good uh, almost like kind of like a good coming out match for um, Novak kind of just for him to kind of like get in there and just hang with, with Curtis the
1: way that he did. Mm-hmm. No, I, I agree because yeah, I, I think they, um they meshed well, especially since I think we were mentioning before that they're really tall guys. Like, uh, I mean, a, a lot of the guys in this season are, are just like tall, tall, tall dudes in general, but the, the, the body type and like the, the height of these guys really meshed really well that yeah, they had some really good back and forths, and especially for Johnny Curtis to, to suplex a guy of a similar stature stature and to also like do it really well. Um Yeah. I think they just did a good job and there was even a, uh, a nice um, bump from Johnny Curtis when Novak kind of Irish whipped him to the corner. Um, it, it looked really, it looked really strong that I, I just like, the way that Johnny Curtis was, um, was selling it as well. For sure. And then in the, in the closing sequence, yeah. Um, Johnny Curtis was kind of trying to lock in his, uh, single arm submission, but then Dolph Ziggler kind of, uh, distracted the referee. Then JTG tried to come in to kind of like, uh, help out his rookie. But then the referee was trying to like get him out of the ring. And then Ziggler kind of, uh, came back into the ring and attacked, Uh, johnny curtis which then novak kind of hit i guess his uh finisher for for this season anyway is the big boot um so he gets the big boot and gets the win at uh exactly five minutes so yeah like how you were saying i think they meshed really well and i i thought this this was a pretty good matchup i agree man um the only thing i didn't
2: like was i mean i i understand its placement in it but mm-hmm. I, I didn't like the the interference. Mm,
1: mm-hmm.
2: Like like none of the other like pro rookie matchups really have a lot of interference like that. So it was just kind of interesting to see that play out. And then it was also like, all right, JTG, we know you're a tag team wrestler. Mm-hmm. You know the name of the game. You already <laughs> knew that was a distraction, bro. Like you got to be better than that. Like, yeah, isn't, yeah, yeah. It, isn't at this point JTG is at least like a
1: former tag champion? So uh, I don't think crime time did they ev- even they never won it huh no no i i remember when they were kind of um of course doing the um the tributes to to shed gaspard that when they brought up um their run as crime time that yeah like they they were probably one of the most recognizable tag teams that have never actually won any of the tag title variations so mm. it, it was um it's kind of interesting because yeah like They're they're probably their most high profile run as far as just like popularity um, was when they teamed up with John Cena for like a little bit. Um, And I thought from in my mind, I thought the same thing, too, that I thought that they had won the titles around that time when they were like super, super popular. But yeah, they they never had like a, a title reign, which was really shocking to me.
2: That is very shocking to me right now, just kind of hearing it. I'm a little mind blown, but now I get it. I'm like, ah, you guys were those guys at the time where it was just like certain dudes you will just look at. I feel like every era has them and you look at them like, man, you just didn't win any titles like mm-hmm. every era and you could just just pinpoint it. Yeah, yeah, it happens, man. It's unfortunate, but it's a thing that almost goes hand in hand in professional wrestling and it's just missed <laughs> opportunities. More than any other sport is like missed opportunities that can never Mm -hmm. be taken back because you just can't get a certain a certain like organic overness. Mm -hmm. It's never the same. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. What do we got next? Oh, yeah. All right, man. So uh, so next we had a little segment here. We got another video package and it's our guy, Derek. Bateman. And then you know what's so funny about Derek Bateman is that I don't even like Derek Bateman. And I <laughs> like Derek Bateman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like so you know, it, it come out and then uh he basically was just saying that he was hyping himself up, hyping himself up really good. And he was he was saying that, you know, if Derek Bateman could describe himself in one word, he wouldn't be able to do so because there's no word that can describe him. And if he had to yeah. do it, he would make one up because that would be the only way to do it. And he went with the word. I'm surprised he doesn't have a T-shirt yet, but he went with his patented Mantastic. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, man, how come you don't have a shirt for that? But, hey, you know, Derek Bateman, he, he's getting all this stuff over. Um, he, he so it, it seems like there's a little bit more like kind of like backstory to this one. So he mentioned that he uh, wrestled on Sunday Night Heat. That was pretty dope. Mm-hmm. One, first of all, it's just dope to hear Sunday Night Heat mentioned and to get a little pop from me for that one. Um, he names his hands freedom and justice. So that's like a callback to the skit that he did with uh Daniel Bryan. So he's keeping his you know, uh I I like what you have in your notes, the true definition of a half K promo right there, because if anybody is half K, it's it's Derek Bateman. Cause he gave us like some truth in there, some gimmick, and he stayed with all of it. Like he told us the truth about Sunday Night Heat. You know, he told that truth in gimmick, and then he just wrote it. And then so Buff Andy Sandberg is winning with his character right now. Like he's doing a real good job with just being like fully committed to to the character that he's trying to give us. And I don't think that this character is too far fetched from his like natural self, which is what they say is like the best gimmicks are just yourself turned up to 10. So he's probably like himself turned up to like eight right now. So he's on the right track for sure.
0: My name is Derek Bateman. I hail from Cleveland, Ohio, AKA Awesometown, USA. And I'm wild and young. If Derek Bateman were to describe himself, he would probably have to conjure up his own word, since no words in the dictionary accurately describe him. And that word would be fantastic. Fantastic. I'm an adventurous hunk who lives for danger. I guess I like to take a lot of risks. In fact, let me introduce you my two friends, freedom, freedom, and justice. justice. What makes me stand out amongst all these other NXT rookies is that everyone here has kids. I have the most it. Everyone here has charisma. I have the most charisma. Everyone here is a great athlete. I'm the best athlete. I can do what everyone does, but better. My name is Derek Bateman, and I am the next without the E. Breakout Star.
2: And then uh so after um after we, we finish up with Mr. Sandberg on uh <laughs> After a, a nice gym session, <laughs> we get um, we get another mini segment, it's another video package. We get Connor O'Brien, oh yeah, aka A.K.A. Nando's boy. Yep, <laughs> so this one is cool because uh, he also like stays in character. Like, now that I'm kind of thinking about the, the stuff that he was saying and the way that he delivered certain things, I was like, oh, you were telling like. You're pretty half K right now too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he like talked about his past and he said that he like fought, scratched, and clawed. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I I didn't even pick up on that. that that's pretty good. <laughs> that he fought, scratched, and clawed. You know about being bullied, and, and then the reason that he was bullied being it's not funny, but like, the reason <laughs> that he's being bullied was that he looked like a rat. <laughs> So he's doing he was talking about how like, you know, life for 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 a person like who looks like him was was rougher. So he had to be a lot tougher than everybody and stuff like that in the mean streets of Grand Rapids, Michigan. Mm -hmm. You know, and he talked about how uh, the attitude era was a big thing and it was prominent professional wrestling. And why can't we have the ratitude era? This is the dawn of the ratitude. (laughs) So good like now that I really sit back and think about it he delivered that in character like and he wrote yeah, that yeah. whole rat thing and it's like if he didn't say that I wouldn't have never connected if he looked like a rat because I'm too I'm too fixated on the fact that he ended up being the dude from the ascension
1: yeah yeah I I I think that pretty much saved his uh his career at that point with, with the ascension gimmick is because like at that point then he got to wear the face paint that kind of like reinvented him at that point oh yeah he like uh he chopped his hair he he got bigger like
2: like oh he got like more uh tan. i yeah he got way more like hefty and then it, it don't even look like the same dude like mm-hmm. i don't know like was he
1: wearing more spray tan then <laughs> i think like
2: more brown
1: <laughs> i think he just got massive because yeah when it uh The only thing, the only person I can kind of, uh, kind of do the same comparison is if people don't like you and I know who, uh, who, who will rude slash will Hobbs is now, but for people who, who haven't followed him his whole life, if you look up will rude, which is his first like wrestling, uh, alias, he was literally like, uh, this skinny, skinny guy, and if you compare him to what he looks like now, he's just like this massive, massive dude. So that's the only comparison I can kind of do. Dude, that's like um even on that
2: same line,
1: Cage, Brian Cage too.
2: He wasn't mm-hmm. like that when like he he first started off kind of like doing the whole like uh baby mortis slash whatever the original <laughs> Brian Cage thing was. But yeah, you know, um our boy, our boy Conor O'Brien. Embraces this whole rat thing. And then, you know, you're. I think you're right. The whole Ascension thing probably saved his career because embracing looking like a rat probably only took him so far until it was like, damn mm-hmm. dude, I I pigeonholed myself. But damn. hey, I've never seen anybody rock um, looking like a rat like that before. So I enjoy seeing whatever his finisher is about to be in this season.
1: So after that, we get another uh, backstage promo where we have, uh Bateman and Brian and this one was um, this one was pretty funny it was pretty short too where they're both doing like bridges um the only note the major note I had here is like I I don't know if this is the production team or if this is uh more on Derek Bateman where they're really trying to go for like this lonely island kind of comedy style because this is totally like like a playbook from like what Andy Sandberg would do where it's just them doing like a totally random thing and then they have like a random guy who's just like watching them do these uh these bridges so it just felt like a lonely island uh skit so yeah i I don't know who's uh who's responsible for this but um that's what they were aiming for because they even brought up like um steve blackman because uh bateman was reading a like a a book of um. the The rich history of the WWE Championship, and he's like naming WWE champions, and then he says like uh Steve Blackman, and then Daniel Bryan g- gets up and he's like, "Wait a minute, Steve Blackman was never a, a world heavyweight champion." Dude, he
2: was uh he was hella reading that book upside down too.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> like he was upside down, but the book itself was also upside down. So I was like, "Oh yeah. man, he's extra making this up right now. This is money."
1: Yeah, yeah. So yeah, they uh, they were definitely playing up this whole uh, this backstage segment. So it was it was entertaining for 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 how short it was. It still like was a memorable segment. Um, so next we have the hot seat trivia challenge, and this one was uh this one was actually pretty fun. I thought um I thought this was probably a good way to do like a real wrestling trivia challenge, um, because. Some of them are, um, are pretty good, like, if you're trying to guess it from the top of your head, with, like, referencing um, Wikipedia or anything, because what what they had to do is Matt Stryker was going to pick a category, and they were going to go down the line, and each rookie had to say a correct answer in five seconds, and they couldn't repeat a um, an answer that one of the other rookies had said, so... As an example, the first one that they said was uh, the Undertaker's WrestleMania opponents. So then they went down the line and each of them said said one one answer until um, they couldn't think of like all the other ones or if one of them got an incorrect answer. Um so Brodus actually got a pretty good pop when he had said Jake the Snake. But then uh, Conor O'Brien got an even bigger pop when he said Shawn Michaels because, of course, they're in San Antonio, Texas.
2: Got to go for the hometown, boys.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, That's cheap pop 101 right there. And it, it didn't stop there either because they, they definitely brought up uh, more Texas natives within mm-hmm. the within the other uh, categories. So the next ones were uh, the King of the Ring winners. Novak, of course, got a big pop by mentioning Stone Cold Steve Austin. And I then, popped for uh, King Mabel. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I I I popped for that one, and I also popped for um, Brodus Clay because he he gave a shout out to our boy Owen Hart by like saying the King of Hearts, Owen mm-hmm. Hart, and everything. So yeah, that that was that was really that was a really nice tribute. Um, but then when they had to. Do another round where they had to think of even more obscure King of the Ring winners, then Brodus was the one that got eliminated because he said uh Big Daddy cool and he was never a King of the Ring winner. <laughs> uh, I was pretty
2: disappointed that uh nobody just flipped it around and said Brett.
1: Yeah, I know. <laughs> like he literally twice
2: at that. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> uh that's what I was disappointed with too. This one, this one I think would be like a legit good one to use on a real life trivia because the, the third category was uh, cities that have hosted WrestleMania. And yeah. Yeah, that was really good. Yeah. Like if you if you were to really do that, you know, trivia, I think that would be one of the hardest ones because you can name a few like at the beginning. But once you start going down to like the the um, the less obvious ones, I, I think that's where everyone could probably m- mess up on. A certain city so I thought that one was I a think good one. Uh, I think people would like if we take it to like up
2: to up to now I think a lot of people would miss Santa Clara
1: yeah oh for sure like yeah they'll they'll either say like San Francisco or Bay Area but like if you have to say the exact city yeah a lot of people mm-hmm. would miss Santa Clara for like sure. I think the like if you're going to think California most people I think would
2: think uh, the Staples Center first yeah, because yeah, I'm yeah, pretty yeah. sure they had a. Re- did they, they? They did WrestleMania at the Staples Center, it's like maybe,
1: maybe I think that like one, one, of those, one of those times that WrestleMania went Hollywood. Uh, yeah, I think you're probably right. So then the fourth category was, um, name a 2010 pay per view, and I think this one was also good too. Um, like just because. Certain years have like these random like pay per views like roadblock or uh, mm-hmm. uh, fast lane. So like the
2: safest like guess outside of the big four and like money in the bank backlash. Yeah, backlash, <laughs> <laughs> backlash, and like TLC. Like you, you're
1: definitely gonna win with one of those two. Yeah. So we get to the last category, and the the last two remaining rookies are Jacob Novak and Derek Bateman. So they kind of go back and forth. But then at the end, Jacob Novak can't think of another uh, WWE champion to name within five seconds. So, um, yeah, Derek Bateman wins this one and takes the lead now with three immunity points in total. So uh, I don't know exactly when they're going to do the elimination week. But at the moment, he's he's in a pretty good standing to um, to come out. The winner. For some strange reason,
2: I thought this was elimination week, mm-hmm. so the whole time I was watching the episode, I was kind of waiting for it. Even though, like you know, if it was really elimination week, they would have mentioned like 20, <laughs> 20 times already. But yeah. I was sitting there like, "Oh, it's coming up next. It's coming up next," and it never did. In the yeah, uh, for the um, for the last contest, now that I think about it, like Novak lost because he was pandering to the crowd. Yeah, yeah which yeah. is ironic because he's a heel
1: <laughs> <laughs> hmm they they didn't think about that one, huh?
2: <laughs> maybe it was his jacket, you know, he just felt extra charismatic with his jacket and he was bound to be arrogant,
1: yeah, or let's go or with if, that. may- maybe we're giving him too much credit, but maybe um. He was uh trying to impress Vicky Guerrero backstage, so maybe mm, maybe
2: you know what that could that could be the point mm-hmm. all right, so cool dude, I feel like this episode had a lot of mini segments, <laughs> yeah <laughs> because we're gonna go into another one we get the backstage promo with uh with del Rio and our boy O'Brien mm-hmm. <laughs> and then uh Ricardo has like this. The, <laughs> Ricardo Rodriguez has like this plate of like cheese and like hors d'oeuvres or whatever little snacks that he's feeding to like Del Rio because they'll be on that baller stuff right and then, <laughs> and then Connor walks in there and he's like asking him if he can like you know like kind of like get some advice he's like how to break through mentally and stuff like that and then like every time uh, <laughs> Ricardo like moves this tray of cheese and stuff like Connor's fixated on it because you know cause he's a rat, so yeah, yeah. But they don't say it. They don't say anything. They just he just follows it with his head and then De Rio starts talking to him and he's like not paying attention, but he is paying attention, <laughs> but he's really trying to like pay attention to these uh to the cheese.
0: Hey, hey coach, you think I could get a piece of that cheese? It smells pretty good. Cheese Go Go and win NXT. and after that I'll give you all the cheese you want. That was an
2: unnecessarily funny segment. Yeah. Because, like, you just had to have seen it to to really kind of, like, catch everything in there. Because it was very well laid out in that, like, you didn't have to, like, wonder what was going on. It was, like, very obvious that this rat-faced man was fixated on this cheese, but at the same time trying to get some advice from his mentor. But then at the end of the day, he really just wanted the cheese.
1: Yeah, 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 which
2: is a, um, which is all a metaphor anyway, because cheese is money. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> which leads us to the next. <laughs> <laughs> the next matchup, since we're talking about money anyway, we get our boy Ted DiBiase, who comes from money, who comes from pain and comes <laughs> from whatever you want to get from his name. And then he's got Maurice and Brodus Clay with him. Hmm. versus Byron Saxon Chris Masters of course they're you know rookie mm-hmm. pro duo and their special guest their third Natalia yeah whom I was wondering what the heck is the relevance there <laughs> <laughs> I I'm you know and then from what the match was telling me or the commentators it was that uh maurice was saying that she was more canadian than natalie <laughs>
1: yes yeah i love that <laughs> it, it was so good because they they mentioned that uh natty at this time is the current divas champion but i'm guessing that uh her and maurice have some beef going on 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 raw or smackdown at during this time and yeah that she's just like a better Canadian because she's French Canadian. Mm-hmm. That line had me dying for some reason. Man, I was like,
2: "Yo, what is that? Is this like Canadian beef? Canadian yeah. bacon? Like, come <laughs> on, man!" So I I, uh, I got a kick out of that because like right when I was typing that, I was like, "What is the logic in this beef?" And they were like, "Oh, well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah." Mar- Marie said that she's a better Canadian because she's French Canadian. I was like, "Hey, all right." I can't be mad at that type of stuff. <laughs> I, I almost felt like I was watching a match that I already seen, but it just so happens that they have already done like a tag team match with um with Saxon and uh Masters. So I was like, damn it, mm-hmm. did I already see like this match? But I was like, oh no, 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 this is totally different. Yeah. So I thought the um this match was was pretty good in that there was there was a lot of a lot of stuff going on. Everybody got significant offense in yeah and there was like a lot of key moves that uh like moves that were really key in there that i thought were really cool and then first of all i'm wondering what the difference between an exploder and a t-bone suplex is yeah because i personally don't know Rotus clay has a nice one nonetheless
1: (laughs) yeah 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 i i had that in my um in my notes too where he had like a really nice overhead one, and then of course he whipped out the um, the T bone su- suplex in the uh, in the middle of the match as well, and they they look really really good.
2: But no, it was uh like nice matchup. Did you see uh Byron Saxon use the recoil? So I'd, he he, mm-hmm. he used the recoil. He hit Brody's Clay with that, and I was like, that was dope because we're like ten years prior to seeing Ricochet using it, so that was. Mm-hmm. Some nice, like, kind of like, but you know what? Yeah, no, I don't. I don't think Ricochet was even in his like earlier career. I don't think he was using yeah, the recoil. Yeah. He was like all oh, high flying moves. But no, that was it. Was great. We get some nice. Um, I like there was a nice sequence where DiBiase hit an arm wrench and got it in the Cobra clutch. like he was going to go for Dream Street. Yeah, 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 yeah. But then, uh. Masters fought out of that and encountered with a spine buster. Yeah. So that was really, that was really clean. Yeah. That was a very clean spot from there. And then we had, um, masters signaling for the master lock to which Brodus got a distraction in and then DiBiase stood like two feet from him <laughs> and drop kicked him in the face. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's like if they were standing in a phone booth and he was gonna drop kick him. That was like essentially what it's like a phone booth drop kick because yeah, he was yeah. like right in front of him. And on one hand, it was beautiful; it was awesome. And on another hand, extremely impractical. <laughs> both <laughs> angles, <laughs> yeah. Like we get both sides of the cookie with that. Like that's like pro wrestling in a nutshell. Yeah, like wonderful and extremely impractical. Yeah. And then t- towards the end of the matchup, we get the two divas. They start to kind of brawl outside of the ring. Mm-hmm. To which the two pros were like, oh no, these are like, you know, we know them better than the rookies. So we need to go stop this. Let's go, <laughs> let's go, let's go get this under control. So yeah. they go run. And I really don't think that uh, either of the two rookies got tagged in, but. They ended up being the legal people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we we get uh we get Brodus Clay who, you know, we does exactly what we thought was going to happen. He starts beating the crap out of like Byron Saxon. We think he's going to put him away. He drags him in the corner like a lifeless sack of potatoes <laughs> and he gets him ready for a for a nice big Vader Bomb splash because I don't think that move gets called anything else except the Vader Bomb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And then uh Saxon gets his win, rolls out of the way. And then I guess um the impact from that Vader bomb just blew all of Brabus Clay's breath away. Yeah. And then uh Saxon just goes for the pin and gets a, nope, no, no, no. Saxon goes for a lateral press and he gets him for the one, two, three.
1: It was uh it's I I thought it was believable just because uh like how you said like bro, this is a bigger stature um at the same time this match went uh over ten minutes, so you kind of believe that factor of like he was exhausted by that point mm-hmm. um and then yeah the the speed in which uh sexton uh took advantage for the the pin i I thought it worked like it wasn't I liked it, yeah yeah yeah, like I know a lot of people would think it it's not the most exciting finish, but as far as like kayfabe wise i I think it makes sense for for him to get the victory there it's crazy because
2: like most wrestling finishes that are probably the best make the least amount of sense if you sit down and break it down yeah (laughs) that right there was actually a very logical finish like we don't had a match that's longer than what we're normally used to seeing we had our big guy who really doesn't tread up on the top rope like, or, you know, on turnbuckles like that, going into unfamiliar territory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he really wanted to go with that finish. He wanted to use his God-given talents, his weight, as I said, advantage. But, you know, our boy Saxon outsmarted him at the last minute. Bro, just had everything, all his intention, all his last energy in that splash, and he missed it. And, you know, he just couldn't kick out in time because he had to breathe. Yeah. Saxon (laughs) Saxon got him with the cover at the right time, and you know, it was just capitalizing on the situation. Now, would you rather see like, you know, Saxon get a second win and go up top for like a Phoenix splash or something <laughs> like that? <laughs> of course. Now, but you now, know, what now sense being... does that make? <laughs> yeah, you know, you want him to get on the top rope and taunt everything too, giving Brodus apparently time to catch his breath. But we all really know he'll just be bracing for impact. Mm-hmm. No not everything has to make sense in a wrestling context. It can make sense in a real life
1: context too. Yeah. 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 How you said, I, I think, I think it was, um, I think it was a good match. Uh, I, I think I brought up something similar last time where I think Brodus and masters had really good chemistry with each other. But then of course, when you had the, um, the pros in there, like they, they got the most pop from From the crowd understandably. Um, Of course especially with the the two divas. With Maurice and Natalia. Where like kind of like what we've talked about. On previous episodes. Where they don't really have to do much. As far as like taking any crazy bumps. Or doing any high spots. They're just kind of doing more of like the. Selling of of the moves. Or or, um, just kind of like facial expressions. And the crowd is already eating that stuff up. Uh, just because of like how, you know, how, how high, uh, high, high profile that they are, that it was enough for the the audience to like super get into the matchup. So, yeah, I think everyone did their part um, and got got their spots in pretty much. <laughs> I think you're, you're like
2: really right about Chris Masters because that guy is over, bro. Like when he gets the tag and he gets yeah. in that ring, the crowd goes nuts. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. When he calls for that master lock, the crowd loses it. Yeah. So there, you know, even though, though on one hand, you could kind of look at NXT's where they kind of put people when they don't have anything to do, but a lot of these guys are really over over there. Mm-hmm. So hey man, it's working out.
1: Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Alrighty. So I will get into our fun facts before we jump into our final scores uh, not too much but there's this one big moment here where this is uh, as you mentioned this is Natalia's, uh NXT debut matchup and the funnest fact for a good while is that the matchup between Jacob Novak and Johnny Curtis is actually NXT's 100th broadcasted matchup so we finally Mm. we we finally hit the triple the triple digits when it comes to matches on on nxt um i think i'm using that word broadcasted because once we get to um the full sale era i know that there's a bunch of like dark matches that uh people keep track of but never see the light of day yeah yeah so for for our tracking purposes i'll just say that anything that's been broadcasted on either tv or in this case like uh the digital platforms (laughs) nice we will get into our scores and uh yeah i'll I'll kick it off here with, with commentary i ended up giving commentary a three because as i mentioned earlier i think that um Todd Grisham and Josh Matthews starting to starting to get their groove in this episode compared to um, the first two episodes so hopefully they kind of um, just keep bouncing off of each other a, a bit more in the uh, the next couple of episodes but yeah I, I like this um, dynamic and as, as much as as much as we say it like even though having two face commentators is good I think by one of them naturally having some kind of heel tendencies, it kind of gives a better dynamic when it comes to your your broadcast team.
2: I agree, I agree, and then I follow you probably spot on with uh my score. I went three oh, okay i felt cool. um I felt very similar in that it seems like for this episode um especially in comparison to the other ones that they really kind of got their their feet set in. Just with the the way that they were talking to each other, you almost felt like they had been doing that for a while. Like it just out of nowhere they had just kind of better symmetry. And mm-hmm. I think it's kind of along the lines of uh kind of what you said at the end where you were saying that kind of Grisham almost plays the heel a little bit. So you, you get that natural back and forth of having that the heel commentator versus the the face play by play person person or like vice versa. Like it always just works that way when it's the opposites like that, you know, you get the best storytelling in a match when it's heel versus face. So you mm-hmm. get the best like, kind of like rapport between the commentators when you get the heel and the face, like one of them doesn't have to be so overtly heel to where they hate each other, but mm-hmm. it just always works out kind of the best for especially for like this show where it's it's very imperative that uh the commentators help get the the nxt superstars over to like with their words so it's almost like you need somebody to play a definitive like roles in your commentary team so i thought this episode was really good to establish that and hopefully this is where they kind of like build the direction that they're going to go for these two commentators yeah yeah, so i went three Nice, and then so I'll, I'll go ahead and carry on for matches. Mm-hmm. Uh for matches, I went three point five. Mm-hmm. I thought the main event was really good. Mm-hmm. Like from from all points, like um, it had that 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 extra like needed trauma of like throwing the women in there too, just for a different dynamic.
1: Yeah, um, yeah, it yeah. just so
2: happens that they both can wrestle too, so like it was dope. Yeah, uh, the the four guys really work well together like DBS is working really good with everybody so far so is um, so is Masters Saxon is a solid bumper and then Brodus plays his role really good too like he has a lot of moves in his arsenal that he doesn't even really need but it's just like how smoothly he pulls them off it's like oh, okay that's definitely one of your moves so his suplex game is like really good mm-hmm. for being a bigger guy Um, Saxon is really good bumper and he's got his own like unique offense too. So it's really cool to see like such a variance in offense when you get like, uh, between all six of those people really. So I really enjoyed the main event. And honestly, like if I could think about it, like even if it was just a main event, I probably would have given this episode a three. Yeah, but that's not even to say that the the other match was only a point five, mm-hmm. but it's just to show that the other match was also good and that it gave the overall match score like more than yeah, yeah. like just the average score. So I I, I enjoyed the uh, Johnny Curtis and Jacob Novak match in the sense that it was almost like Novak's coming out match mm-hmm. to where you got to see a little bit more offense from him. Yeah, yeah. He because he he got his stuff in and then they kept uh they protected him kind of in a way by having that interference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he didn't he didn't beat him clean, but it's not like it's not like Ziggler went in there and gave him a zigzag. He just like punched him in the face. So you know it still keeps Novak looking strong enough to where he didn't need Ziggler to win it for him. He just needed that little we're heels. We can do this, but I finish him with my move type of thing. So Yeah, 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 I like the, the, the story that was told in that match. And I really enjoyed the, uh, the way almost like the episode was wrapped up inside the last match.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. And I think you convinced me with one of your points earlier that, um, I originally went with a three, but I ended up switching it to a, a 3.5. Um, Cause pretty much what I'm pretty, pretty much going to echo the points that you made with the, with the matches themselves, where now that I kind of look back at it as an overall piece. Yeah. Like the matches were kind of more of the highlight, even though that a lot of these backstage segments were entertaining. Um, I think the point that you made earlier that I didn't think about until we started kind of uh, going down the line with each segment is that, yeah, there was a lot of backstage segments. So originally I had production as a 3.5, but I lowered that down to a three because I, I think you made me notice that the the matches were more of the high caliber this week. Um, So when I give production a three, it's not in a negative way this time. It's just more of like, I think you were right where I think, based on that they had two challenges and then there were still like a bunch of video packages and backstage um, segments that it kind of took away from that with the the balance of the wrestling that I think, I think if they kind of s- spread them out a little bit more than the production would have been at my original score at a 3.5. But then you made me notice that, yeah, like the, the matches were really good this week that they kind of took more of the spotlight. Um so yeah, I ended up just kind of switching them at the last minute where I gave uh production a three this week. Mm. Nice. Okay. So I also went three for production
2: Ooh. based off of exactly what we just kind of like talked about right there because uh there were a lot of I mean, I thought the mini segments were entertaining. Mm-hmm there was just a lot of them in in rapid succession. So like, yeah. I agree with what you said, like if they would have broke those up, maybe a little bit more, the, the flow of the show would have been a little bit more cohesive. But then I guess like, you know, going, like it was almost like segment, segment match. And then a whole bunch of segments and then like a long match. Yeah, it, it was, it was still very entertaining, but just it was still a little choppy. So yeah, I yeah. went three for production and then that'll bleed me right into entertainment, which I went for three three and a half. I went mm. three point five mm-hmm. for entertainment because the overall I thought the episode was extremely entertaining. Um so, especially since like I watched it while I was eating dinner. Yeah. So it was like uh the segments match first match was like not super short but it was like a it was a full 5 minute match and that's like mm-hmm. for two two guys to be given like 5 minutes in an hour show like that's you know you could do a lot in 5 minutes for sure and they did they maximized that to the fullest i liked that match um all the little mini segments were entertaining like both of the like video packages for for uh EC3 and Connor were really good like they're mm-hmm. both fully in character and at the same time you kinda got glimpses of them as just like the people. Yeah. So I, I really enjoyed those two. Uh the backstage segment with Connor as well as and Dario, and as well as the one with Daniel Bryan. Yeah, and yeah. Bateman was really good. Like all of those are really good. And then in the matches. So I I thought that uh everything that was given here was was really good. And in fact I'm not going to go four, but I'm going to go 3.75 now.
1: Oh, after. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa.
2: <laughs> yeah. I think that's a first. So,
1: I don't think we've ever given that out.
2: <laughs> I, I, you know, I just I can't go to full four, but I was yeah, actually yeah. pleasantly entertained here.
1: Whoa. Whoa. That's a first. That, <laughs> I'm sorry. That is. That I'm sorry. That is, uh, I. I was I was gonna say I was gonna echo you because I also gave it a three point five, but I think you just blew us all away by giving it that that little extra, (laughs) (laughs) that little extra cherry on top, which, uh, uh,
2: yeah, you get that extra quarter in there, man. Like I felt a whole like a whole full extra twenty five cents more entertained.
1: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh. Well, I I think you've pretty much stole the words from my mouth um, with that one. Because yeah, like I also gave it originally a 3.5, uh, but uh, you kind of one up me there. And <laughs> yeah, I, I I think you're right where it's, it's a weird thing, especially now that you and I have been reviewing these episodes um, that we've kind of got into our own, our own format of going by these categories where it's an interesting mix because the matches are good the the entertainment's good but then the production slash booking of it was strangely just like a little underneath those two categories which is kind of weird because you would think that they would all balance out the same way but it's exactly with the points that you mentioned that where i really enjoy like the matches i enjoyed the the um the the backstage promos and the videos but it's pretty much how when you compare it to any other medium where like when you have a movie or when you have a a music album that the the flow and the order of it really matters so um mm-hmm. you can remember all these highlights but certain albums are better than others just because of like the flow of it and i think that's mm-hmm. like it'll it'll just run better from start to finish and mm-hmm. it's not to say that like
2: The songs in another album aren't as good, but it's like maybe just that placement was a little bit weird with how you listen to them. It's like, all right, why is this song following this? Or It's like, why is this segment following this? Why is it? Yeah. So it was just like the episode was great. Like it was a great collection of entertainment. Yeah. But it was just maybe the way that it was put. The placement was just slightly off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To where it just didn't, like you said, like it just didn't, it didn't flow as well as it could have, but it was still very
1: entertaining. Yeah, yeah, yeah. hmm Awesome. So with that, I am very intrigued on this final score. <laughs> so with our combined score, we give this episode a 3.3, which I believe See? is the highest of the season so far. I thought it was a good episode.
2: Like if I'm looking at the scores, it seemed like they just keep getting better and better and it's, it's expected for them to like like right now I feel like they're all doing really good at getting themselves over. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Hold up. That will do it for this week's episode and on the next episode is a very special one because we finally close out <laughs> 2010 <laughs> with the last episode of the year for the year 2010. Um, and our wow. our main event for that special episode is Byron Saxton going up against Ted DiBiase Jr. And like, yeah, how we mentioned before, uh, both Saxton and DiBiase have been having good matches already that, I'm kind of excited for this one on one contest, seeing how much potential both guys have. I'm still wondering what a uh,
2: Byron Saxon's finisher is.
1: <laughs> we hopefully we'll um we'll see what happens next week. <laughs> you know what? I feel like
2: he's gonna use that um that full Nelson face buster that uh Darren Young was using. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <sighs> He
1: just looked like he'll do that move, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, what watch him mm-hmm. hit like a, like a Pearl River plunge for no reason? <laughs> oh my goodness, that
2: would be uh, that'd be pretty hard though, yeah. Aka the Tiger Driver, yeah. or Tiger Bomb, or whatever they call it, yeah. He'll do something like hella uh, spectacular, like watch him do, do like the first E2D that nobody ever seen, I do know. Like, no one. And he, we just happened to never watch that episode, it's <laughs> like,
1: what the? It, it could, it could happen, it could totally happen because. Yeah, we have not covered this before, so total possibility. Mm-mm. So yeah, that will uh that will do it for this podcast. And yeah, I didn't really have much to uh kind of recap. Uh I I think as of this recording, what I think I'll end up doing is I'll be re-uploading our review of Worlds Collide from last year to kind of celebrate the one year anniversary and since I never made that available on our YouTube channel I think um, by the time you hear this recording it should be up there so if you wanted to get our initial take on uh, Worlds Collide definitely feel free to check it out on our YouTube channel and yeah make sure to check out YouTube for more of our exclusive Videos and um, just other segments that we do outside of the um, episodic NXT review podcast, and we would totally appreciate a subscription if you can. Uh, That is it for me. Did you have any plugs or shout outs this week? I got nothing, man. All right, no, I don't. That's how that's how we do it. We stay humble sometimes. (laughs) Yeah, it's all right. Alrighty, so for your boy, El Truth, this is Nando O'Brien saying goodnight, and we shall see you next week. Ratitude. Era.